Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's all give Him praise. Magnify the Lord with me. When you enter into this house with thanksgiving and praise, He's worthy of all, all glory and honor. Let's bow our heads, please. Heavenly Father, we do indeed come into the house of God. On our lips, praising the King of glory, the great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, the mighty God, our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, with this praise on our lips, we want you to know we love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and strength. Or we've come to the house of God not to be seen of man, but to see you high and lifted up in all your glory. So, Father, I'm praying that you'll come once again, Lord, and bless your people through the word. Let the word be their strength. May it be their deliverance. May it be their healing the mind and a body and soul and spirit. May the Holy Ghost minister deeply within, Lord. Father, we commit the day to you for the glory of God. Not only this morning, Lord, but this evening. As Brother Murphy will come and minister the words of life. May we come with great expectation, knowing that you're a very present help in time of trouble. So, Lord, I'm asking now that you will anoint the speaker and hearer. That, God, that you would receive all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful to be in the house of God this morning. Why don't you turn around, shake one another's hands, say God bless you. Nice to have you here in the house of God. Thank you. Amen. An announcement was made for the BCA concert coming up this week. And uh, it's always been a blessing through the years. And if you've got the evening, I know that would be a great support to our children. So if you can make it. Put that on your calendar and we look forward to seeing you there. It's always been a blessing and I find that uh, that God blesses the people that do do come. So without any further delay, there's a number of scriptures I'd like to, to read and to speak of. And I'd like you to turn just one set of scripture right now. Psalms 119. Read at verse 49. Verse 49, remember the word unto thy servant upon whom thou has caused me to hope or have great earnest expectation. For this hope or this earnest expectation, this is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. I'd like you to look at that verse one more time. Verse 50, verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Let's bow our heads in word of prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, we've read your word. You're the author of that word. Now would you inspire it, Lord, to all of us, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You may have your seats. I don't know whether I have to make up time from last week because I told, I was told I robbed you of your, of the, of time. Somebody said to me, we want to pay only half our tithes. <laughs> I thought, I've never heard quite that before. <laughs> so if I preach an hour and a half, you get full tithes, right? So I guess I'll have to go a little longer, apparently. But I, I thought it's just nice sometimes to hit the subject, hit it right on, inspire, and may the Lord inspire it to us all. And we go at least, I, I'd rather you go away wanting more than saying, what on earth is he holding us this long for? And you know, that, that's, that's the fine line and, and uh, we just, we want the word of God to build you up, edify you and strengthen you in the Lord. That is our purpose and that is always our goal. I read a quote, uh, this is a, 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 a probably maybe a Moody, uh, D.L. Moody or someone from the 1800s. He said, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. I thought this was a great line. He said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen. Amen. We were made for another world. This world cannot hold me. Any moment, by the grace of God, as the songwriter says, I'll be gone. So we started off last last service uh, talking and speaking, of course, uh, Adam and Eve and their perfection. And Brother uh, Derek was... Very articulate and putting my first few comments before you already, so it's almost a repeat already, but you stay with me. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they were in the garden, they were in perfection. They were in absolute perfection. And they lived in perfection. Uh, they could do whatever they felt that they were to do as sons of God, daughters of God. They could go anywhere, do anything, and just, you know, how, I mean, I, I don't know what Eden was all about, but it had to be glorious. It had to be something of amazing uh, description, which we fail in our, our, our poor English to describe. Yet even in that perfection, that perfection went along, we know that the enemy slipped in very quickly. And, of course, that enemy, we know who the enemy was, and it was the devil himself. And he slipped in and used the serpent to beguile Eve. And so when the enemy came in, the the plan of God, it didn't catch God by surprise, because already the lamb had been slain before the foundation of the world. The sin sacrifice had already been made. So we know that then there was a fall, but we also know by the word of life, there is an absolute restoration to what Adam and Eve lost is going to be restored. And it wasn't in any other time, but this time. Can you imagine uh, the first church age, second church age, third church age? They could have gone along in life and come to church just like you under expectation that they're going to go into a body change. And yet we knew that there had to be scripture to be fulfilled. Yet they still had that expectation. Brother Bram said they went into the ground dying with that expectation in their heart. And that's the expectation that's going to raise them up. And that's why... Uh, that's my comfort is, 
As David writes into the Psalms, he said, it caused me to hope and this is my comfort in my affliction. And, and if anybody can say that they've not had an affliction lately, can you please stand so we can admire you? I'm looking around the room here. Many are the affliction of the righteous, the Bible says. Many are the affliction. But the Lord delivereth out of them all. We know that scripture and we take great comfort in knowing that scripture. So it's no great surprise that you're going to go through trials. And maybe we just need to wake you up a little bit to realize that, you know, as I've said before, if you're in one, you're going to come out of one. Once you come out of one, you're going to go back into one. Oh, that sounds so happy on a Sunday morning. But it's nevertheless indeed the truth. But God has always given his word to be the strength of the people. And that is what Satan attacks. That is what Satan attacks. Satan attacks the word. So God, knowing then, if it was by, as we said last week, if it was by one lie, by one lie, every hospital, every ambulance siren, every uh, sod that was turned for burial, everything, every sickness, every heartache, every war, every death was caused by one word. And, and everybody in the church, of course, that is a message believer, understands that. So then, if it was caused by one word, David, that one word or the word has to be restored so that we can actually come back to what Adam and Eve lost. So we're under, under that understanding. So then God, in his greatness, had to bring a perfect word. And that is why the attack is against the word. But you will find 99.9999% of the attack are not on the word itself, but what has happened around the word. They accused Jesus of being a wine-bibber, eating on the Sabbath with unwashed hands and so forth. It was those, where was the word accusation? And then, but they've got all, all the, the deeds that were done. They got all the history that they think that they can drum up. But it doesn't matter whether what prophet it was, what age they were living in, never was the word received by the majority of the people. If Jesus said they've hated me in a young tree, what will they do about you? Everybody is not going to pat you on the back. This is a true, beware when all men speak well of you, as the scripture also said. So then if, if everything that happened, every disaster that's ever happened, can you imagine? Can I, I don't think we really can really appreciate this statement. I don't think so. That all of this craziness of humanity is because really one word? And because of that one word brought them into sin and created a Satan's Eden. 
One word? Really? I'm not questioning you. I'm just making an exclamation. Really? Is that how powerful one word of disbelieving can take a hold of all humanity from Genesis? Just one word? I got to ask you, is it just one word? And how many people say, oh, that was just a little white lie? Has anybody here lied? <laughs> Nobody sticks up a hand. <laughs> That's very cute. That's very cute. <laughs> so I have no liars here. That's praise the Lord. We're washed by the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> okay. So that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the redeeming blood of Christ to change your nature, change your character, change what you are. From a liar to a saint. But does not the Bible say we're born in sin? Aren't we shaping in iniquity? That's how we're brought up. As I said to that one lady a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I said, did you ever lie? No. I said, okay. Because, you know, most people don't think they're liars. But, you know, as I said last week, and I don't want to keep on referring back to last week because I'm going to start on this week pretty soon. Is that all liars go to hell. So how important, how uh, is it for us to keep the word true? It, 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 you know, you say, well, Brother Tom, you know, you're just, you know, a little slow. I just want you to keep getting the, the gravity of this. This is very, very important because how many of you have ever said uh, you never did something, but you did do it, but you covered it up by not saying you did it. So because you figured that the repercussions would have been worse than the lie. I hope they got that. Oh, did you do that? Oh, no. Because if you did it, you're going to get scolded. If you didn't do it, it's fine, right? But how many of us have been caught in our own lies? But by the grace, and oh yeah, I know the, the meter is going way down this morning. But by the grace of God, as time goes on, it's less and 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 less. And less. Right, Ernie? Yes. yes, sir. So as we walk in Christ and we put on Christ and we put on the word, that one word almost is into the perfection realm. You notice I said almost there. Because we're still here. There's going to be a time, saints of God, our perfection, of course, is not going to be in this. But our perfection is in Christ Himself. And so then God, knowing that in the Garden of Eden where one word caused all this nonsense, is it just Brother Tom? I mean, and for those we lay on the internet and those that are the critics and the non-critics, Yes, Brother Tom has faults. Oh, they'll probably do a nice clip on that one. They really like that. But we start to realize that in these faults that we find, and the the little fissions and the, the things that we get exposed by the Holy Ghost, that as the Word starts to mature in your life, even the people that are very unkind to you, you, you don't even have a, 
uh, a retort back. You're just saddened that people are in that state. It'd be, I, I've never used the word sad for a long time in my vocabulary. But I've been more saddened lately seeing the people in the state that they are because they haven't taken the word. They have taken, they have taken maybe self-worth or self-esteem or something that they think in themselves that they can muster up. You cannot do this in yourself. It will take the word himself to bring you to this perfection. Adam and Eve lived in it and lost it. They lived in it. They lost it. We never lived in it, but we're going to it. So then for that one word that caused this craziness, is it just me, so I'll go back to my statement, that is seeing that the world is going insane more so now than ever? You go home shaking your head and saying, did this really happen today? It's getting crazy. I hope it's getting crazier because when more that you're in his presence, the more crazy Laodicea is becoming. If you don't live in the presence of the Lord and you get swallowed up into its humanity, you will just say, ah, this is just life. I would be very scared if you felt comfortable here right now. I'm sorry. I would be very scared for you. If you say, hey, this is great. This is amazing life that we're living. I'd be very scared. More and more you see the rottenness of humanity and how Satan now has built a Eden to fit his, his lifestyle. It's his lifestyle. But God in his greatness, when the fall, before the fall, or before that one word, he in his greatness had already the plan of redemption. Already knew that there was going to be a people that are going to get restored back to where Adam and Eve fell. And so then, you can't do it, I can't do it, but God's word could do it. And the only way he can do it, because the Lord can do nothing, until first he reveals it to his servants of prophets first. Somebody said, well, you don't need a prophet today. Okay, if you don't need a prophet today, where are you? I want to know where you are in this uh, maze of humanity, the maze of life. Where's your direction? Well, see, the Bible is. Well, so the Baptists say it, the Catholics say it. So really, what you're saying is you're an ecumenical. So you're just going to get swallowed up with the mark of the beast. Or at best, a tribulation. At worst, a pit of hell. There's only one place a person can come to that is Jesus Christ and in Him alone. People say, well, what Jesus are you talking about? I'm talking about a living word. Not by title. 
but by life. A lot of people can put a lot of titles on them. But you have to live the life of it. Nothing, Brother Bram said, can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong as long as you're in God. Now I, now we'll just switch the meter now. Nothing can go wrong as long as you're in God. Now, I, I, I do look, you know I do, I look at the people. And I watch your reaction to see whether it's hitting home. But there is a rest, there is a peace that cannot be understood by failing words of man. But there's a peace that passes all understanding. So then if you find yourself in God, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> my, my, my. Why? Because the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen. So if they're ordered of God, every, every step we take, and Brother Bram says trying to do God a service without His will, we, we understand then there is a permissive will and a perfect will for the redeemable. We can go down the permissive will, but Brother Bram said for the elect, He will turn that permissive will to the perfect will. Therefore, there is now no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. So we'll just take that very slowly. So, so a lot of people will say, well, look what's happened to me and I've gone down the permissive will. But let me just tell you something. It will turn out right. Amen. I, oh, it didn't quite get what I wanted to get out of that. It will always turn out right. People wonder if God has forgotten them. He hasn't forgotten you. God knows where you are. He knows where you are. And He knows where you're going. God has never forgotten you. God is getting you into a position so He can accomplish His good purpose for your life. Praise the Lord. I want you to hear this now. God is getting you into position so you can accomplish His good purpose for your life. What you are going through is not an accident. (laughs) What you're going through is not an accident. The life of a believer has no accidents. Who's a believer? Okay. Who's a believer? You, you, you You got that. Okay, I'm a believer. So nothing happened to me is an accident. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by accident. There is no such thing as, Brother Bram said, chance. Nothing happens by chance. You think it was God's surprise that Ruth ended 
in Boaz's field? No. God knew positionally that Ruth was going to end up in Boaz's field. Absolutely. Before she even married, God had Boaz prepared. Oh, but something happened. She lost her husband. Was that by chance? God had Boaz ready for Ruth. (laughs) To God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you getting my point? You say, well, that was traumatic. Dad led us into Moab. I married a Moabite. But God had Boaz already ready for roast. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And you say, well, what's happening in my life? God's got a position planned for you. Hallelujah. And Satan thinks like he did in the garden that he's going to get Adam and Eve. But you've already been prophesied this Eve will not fall. Already you've been told you're not going to believe the devil's lie. God is going to send his absolute perfect word. And where does the attack come? Prophet. Because God can't do nothing unless he reveals it to his prophet. So as soon as you say prophet, that's where Satan attacks. You'll get your 70 disciples leaving. You'll have your Judases amongst you. But irregardless of their 70 and Judas, there was 11. And I'm not worried about Judas, and I'm not worried about the 70. All I want to do is love God with the 11. And the 11 got to 120. And 120 got to 3,000. 3,000 got to 5,000. And God spread His perfect word. Hallelujah! You had nothing to do with it. God came by your way. God came by my way. Hallelujah. You think Gabriel has a clue what I'm talking about right now? When I got saved, Brother Victor, you think I had a clue what I'm talking about right now? Huh? All I knew, Brother John, I'm saved. Huh? That's all I knew. But God had already in his mind, Boaz. Amen. (laughs) Nothing in this world can go wrong if you're in God. Oh, I, I, you know, these are, these are ones you want to shine up. Probably put on maybe your forehead. I don't care where you put it. You know, they used to wrap it around in the old, how do you call that, flank? Thank you, Brother Ernie. So you put those all around you, you wrap it around your head. They got the word there. They got it around their arms. They wake up in the morning. They pray. They talk about the things of God. That's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. Not in a form to think that by our works we do it. It's by our life. 
Because we are showing to Satan that this perfect word has come to bring you and I to perfection. You might not like it and you might not believe it, but leave me alone. I like it this way. I'm not going back to the world. I'm not going back to my alcohol. I'm not going back to my drugs. And then make excuses that I can do that now because Jesus loves everybody. You know what Jesus hates? Sin. He hates unbelief. But you know what he loves? Believers. Hallelujah. It does not matter, saints of God, whether or not for the believer disaster happens. <laughs> uh, you're looking at one that's come through a few. And by the grace of God, we're still standing. I, I, I love it that quote I've used before about Stonewall Jackson when they were having the American-Mexican War. And he'd gone to West Point and he wasn't actually high in the class. I think he was way down in the bottom of the class. The thing that, that Stonewall Jackson had was he had God. That's what he, he loved God. He said, Brother Branham said, wouldn't take a cup of water without thanking God for it. And there he was, that, and, and, you know, you talk about, you know, Brother Ernie, you said your imagination, and I always think about when you see imagination station, our kids grew up on the imagination station. But, it can, you can only imagine, yeah, you can only imagine, right? <laughs> it's a fine line there, fine line. But there he was when I was reading the book about him, he's on this great knoll, and he's got this cannon. And uh, the Mexican uh, army is just coming at them like crazy. And he looks around his shoulder and everybody's running. <laughs> you get the book. I'm not promoting a book, but get the book. It's a great book. It'll take you a year to read it, but it's a great book. No, it won't. So he starts putting a cannon into the cannon to shoot the cannon. And all these guys are running and he says, hey, where are you going? We're winning. <laughs> That's why they called him Stonewall. He didn't look at the circumstance. He looked at the God that was with him. So when they saw him standing like a stone wall, then everybody else said, come on, let's go help him. And they won the war. Huh. <laughs> Stand like a stone wall. Stand in the God that's giving you problems. They said, "Weren't you afraid?" He had he had shot part. Uh, you know the holes. You know they shoot you. And in those days, man, uh, you know Brother Richard would appreciate this. What are they? Fifty caliber um, balls. Sorry, <laughs> that's why I pointed the question to him. They're a big ball. And came in, flood. When that thud hits you, it hurt. A lot of them didn't get killed right away either. So they're, they're, you know, writhing in pain. And there he is, he's, he's in the war and they're shooting at him and he's getting holes through his coats and everything like that. They said, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid? 
He said, how could I be afraid? If God wants me here, if God wants me here, nobody can kill me. When God's finished with me, that's when I'll go home. If Stonewall Jackson can believe that, surely this invincible lady. Amen. This elected lady. Surely you can stand like a stone wall. Satan firing at you. You're not running away, saints. You're standing your ground. Doesn't matter whether there's poison in the pot. Poison in the home. Poison in the family. There's a prophet on the scene. We say there's death in our home. Brother Bram said, there's a prophet on the scene. Throw a little bit of meal in the pot. If you throw a little bit of Christ in your home, death will leave your home. Doesn't matter where death is. Christ is life. Life conquers death. Well, throw a little Christ in here. Well, I've got cancer. Throw a little Christ in there. He said, you got sickness. Throw a little meal here. Don't give up. We've got the meal offering. Saints, we've got a message. We've got a perfect word. Throw it in your pot. Your unbelief will go. Your sickness will go. Is that right, Sister Ruth? You might as well stand up and tell the people. She comes up for prayer. She says, I can't stand the pain. And you read that, you read that this morning and everybody applauded. We're not applauding Ruth. We're applauding the God of Sister Ruth. They say it's bone on bone. I wish I had more patience like you. Yeah. Throw a little meal in the pot. Call for the brothers. Call for prayer. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's death, but he's come to give life. We got death in civilization. Walk down the streets. And you're seeing it before you daily. Spiritual death in the churches. And God through the meal offering of this message around the world. But we don't want it. Well, they would rather have death. We don't want Jesus in the land of the Gadareans. Can you imagine as we took last week? He's naked, living amongst the tombs, chained. Then Jesus comes, delivers the man. He clothes himself. The citizens come to see what happened. And they say, Jesus, get out of here. Can you imagine? I can't imagine that. Then I go home and you go home and say, Jesus save me. And my parents are pushing me out the door. We'd rather you be a doper and a long haired. I go, what are you saying? And he argued every time I grew my hair down to here. He argued. Down to here he argued. He kept on arguing with me. Then when I got it up to here, he says, why don't you have long hair? They don't know what they want. But we've got the meal. We've got the word. Hallelujah. It's an absolute. 
Remember, Brother Bram said in, I think it's greatest battle ever fought. Remember what he said? If he can get you to doubt your weapon, Satan's got you. And that's all he tries to do is mess up your mind. But let this mind that was in Christ be in you. The portion of his word that's lauded for this day is the Holy Spirit. Is the manifest then, the portion of his word. Where is he going to manifest it through? You. You. He said the real born again people of this age that's filled with the Holy Ghost is the tie post. And that's what we ended on. You are the tie post. It's the tie post of the scripture. It's the tie post of this scripture that's got to be fulfilled in this day. They are the ultimate. Hmm. It's God's ultimate. You take a look at the word ultimate. That means God's absolute. That means God's perfection. Well, girls, you have to look at each other and say, hey, did you know you're perfect? I don't know if you got a little tizzy tizzy going on there. You just look at one another and say, you're perfect. Yeah. Say it with meaning. This is where we're going, saints. He said, we are God's ultimate because it's his word. And the word is Christ. The typos. There's no way to get away from it. It's something that holds you. You say, well, I bought a piece of land and it isn't yours yet until you've got the abstract to it. Unless you've got the title deed. You cannot prove it's your land. If you've got the title deed, you can tell everybody to get out of your home. Then Brother Bram turns around and says, now, not only do you have a title deed, but you've got the abstract title deed. That means every lien that was against your property. I want you to get this. Every lien that's on your property. That Satan says, you did this, you did, he puts a lien against you. But then Brother Bram turns around and says, no, you don't have just a title deed. You have an abstract title deed. And the abstract is removing all against you. Now you say, Brother Tom. Brother George, why don't you stand for an object lesson here? Brother George, you have now been given the abstract title deed. Your house is paid for. You don't have to worry about anything. Praise the Lord. Now, Sterling, you stand. Man, you got $500,000 against your $400,000 condo. You're in debt. Hmm? You're out of debt. And you're walking say, praise the Lord. You don't have to worry about the bank coming and put a foreclosure on. You're paid out. Now you're worried. Because you got more against your property than you do your property. But then Jesus came and paid your debt. So now you're both free. Praise the Lord. You can sit down. You can rejoice. Because all your debt is paid. Now I want to ask you. Is your debt paid just for the day? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Is it just for today? 
Is it for tomorrow? Whoa, whoa, we got a mixed up crowd here. <laughs> it's forever. It's not just for today, tomorrow, the next. Once God pays your debt, your debt is what? But you won't let others get debts be paid. You want it for yourself, but you don't want to give it to the brother next to you. Come on, we're coming to perfection. I'm not looking at anybody. Michael, how are you doing up there? So the debt's paid for the redeemed. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, Richard, your debt is paid. And nobody can take away what God's given. I can't come up to you and say, you rotten scoundrel, you. How dare you talk to me like that? Paid's paid. I have to let God deal with you. Not me. Because God, this is God's department. Not my department. Everybody wants to put it into their hands. If I gave you the spoken word, I would have probably be ashes yesterday. People say, I want to empower the spoken word. Says who? I don't want you to have it. <laughs> Sister Eddie, you never know who might not like me tomorrow. Say the power of the spoken word, Tom Ashes. No, what Brother Brennan was taught us, he's molding our character Amen. to match what he gives us. Does everybody get that? So then God will push you through the trial. You're in God. Everything's wonderful. But he's allowing this to you to go through it so that you'll have the character for the power of the spoken word. Has everybody got that? It will make you love your brother. <laughs> what? The Holy Ghost and power. It will make me hate my sister. If the capstone is love. Oh, brother Tom, I got the capstone living in me. And treat one another the way you do. Hmm. <laughs> wow, you're quiet. I love it. You're actually listening to me. Hmm. Brother Bram goes on to say this. He says, You are nothing but the manifestation of the gene of life that was in God as a son of God. Now, we have probably quoted that for 20 some odd years. But like I said about Gabriella, she might, she wouldn't understand a clue what that means. But as time goes on, that revelation starts striking. And we're finding our position. And we're knowing who we are. 
And that we have become then to the absolute of God. He has come in the form of the Holy Spirit. Not to the church, but to the elected church. We the church is to take him to unbelievers. We are the ones that's to let his life shine through us that others might believe. So then now, what he's basically saying is, people are watching your life to see if you're actually living what you say you are. Hmm. It's not getting caught up in quotes. And I listen, I, 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 I went back, I went back to listen to a couple years ago tape, eight years ago tape. The brothers that were the greatest amens, you can't get an amen out of them today. What happened to their amen? What happened to it? Where did it go? Where did it go? But to the church, to the elected church, we are to take him to believers. Him who's living in you. Him to the believers. We're the ones to let his life shine through us that others might believe. I get it all the time. I get called up and somebody down in... Uh, might be witnessing to somebody and I'll get a call on my phone and they'll say, is such and such a brother yours in church? <laughs> I go, first give me the name and I'll tell you yes or no. Well, I'll leave that. I know you're dying to find out who that was. And then I've also had the call saying, is this so-and-so a sister in your church? And I said, who is it? And I'll go, amen. Because what are you doing? You're looking at their life. And saying, does their life match up to what this message is? It's getting down to Christ. The absolute. We, the church, then take him to believers. Wow. Very, very simple statement, but yet so profound. We take him, John. We take him. We take him. That's how why Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus, it's hard to kiss against the pricks, Paul. Why are you doing this to me? And then Paul had to think, who's he doing it to? He was doing it to the Christ that was in the believers. So then we have to take Christ to the unbelievers. You are the elected church, are you not? That if we are the elected church, Brother Bram says, we are to take him to unbelievers. We are the ones that's to let his life shine through us that others might believe. It's us. It's us, Christ, in the church. It's us. Christ in the church that shines forth His presence to make Him visible to all. So therefore, when He shines Himself forward, forth rather, 
through the lives of his elected believers, those who are the elected to eternal life, they receive him. My sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not follow. My sheep hear my voice. He manifests himself to his called out elected church. He does the same thing to the church today to manifest himself through his beings. Us, the church, the called out. So the message then this morning is not for the preacher to get all excited, but now for you to understand who you are in the church. So now you are nothing but the manifestation. I'll reread that quote again. You're to take Christ to the unbelievers. You are to take Christ, Brother Roger. You are to take Christ, Brother Matthew. You are to take Christ to the unbelievers. You're to live a life so worthy that the elect that is in or whatever seed who is ever our seed will we'll see something in you and be attracted to the God in you. People think that people are, think that they're attracted to a personality or to a church. Those days are over. Those days are over, saints. Those, we're not the seventies anymore. We're past the eighties. We've gone through these cycles. But now it's Christ himself, the word himself, that we are to present Christ through our lives. There's two immutable things. The Bible says, as we took in Hebrews 6 and 18, by these two immutable things, which is impossible for God to lie, that he might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay a hold of the hope that was set before us, which hope we have, an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. So then if we are to take Christ to the unbelievers, that is now taking the word on flesh. Mm-hmm. You sing, we are the word made flesh today. That's what the scripture says. Do you know the nominal world calls that you of the devil for believing that statement? Just so that you know. No big surprises. You mean you're like the devil who wants to make himself equal with God? No, you're confusing the issue. I came from God. I'm going back to God. You're getting it all cross-references wrong here. Satan is not a son of God. So now, saints of God, we are to manifest then. Manifest Jesus. Manifest Christ. You say we have the absolute. Then that we are to absolutely portray the absolute. And that's why he called you then the ultimate. These are high statements. These are high statements. These are very high statements. You won't hear it through any other kind of ministry. But these are high statements. And you either got to believe that. You don't got to do nothing. You either believe it or you don't believe it. But these are very high statements. 
He said, like Abel did with his lamb, you got to die with your lamb. That was a few services ago. Let this mind that was in Christ, you've got to think his thoughts. You got to think his thoughts. Right's right, wrong's wrong. Sister Natasha, you're ready, you're ready this week for absolute? Hmm? We're absolutely behind your absolute. I blew it last week. But like Abel died with his lamb, you've got to die with your lamb. You got to die to your own thinking. And this is what I love. It's because I don't have a thought coming. God sent me his thoughts so that I can go back to the thought that God has for me. Okay? He says you gotta take on his thinking. Let the mind that was in Christ be in you. You got to think his thoughts. Hmm. You've got to think his thoughts. And now, brother, sister, let me say this as an intelligent as I know how to say it. How can you think his thoughts then deny his word? Yet you claim to be born again. Just ask yourself that question. How can you do that? You can't. If you're born again... You got his thoughts. Are you listening? If the mind of Christ is in you, then you're a new creature. The Bible teaches that if any brother would like to where you find that creature, look up that word creature. It doesn't matter. He says the lexicon, you'll find out that that word creature There is interpreter translated a new creation. Because you are one creation, a a human being born in sexual desire on earth. Now you're a new creation born by his spirit. Your own thoughts are dead. They're so dead. Your thoughts are so dead. They're like, they're crystal, like the brass serpent, or like he died when the heavens and earth and everything else witnessed that he was dead. Your thoughts have to be dead. Hmm. Your thoughts have to be dead. So now our thoughts are his thoughts, and our thoughts are anchored in him. I'm anchored in Christ. I cannot be moved. Mm. I got to think his thoughts. I can't think what you think. Because you think crazy thoughts. I do too. Because crazy thoughts come through my brain. And you gotta get, let that thought go out of your brain. But we gotta think his thoughts. And to think his thoughts is to be anchored in him. I'm anchored in Jesus. The storms of life all break. You're anchored in the rock of ages. So it doesn't matter what storm happens. You can't be moved.
So let us get down to some points. Your new birth is based on what? By grace are you saved through faith. So now you've got to be anchored in the scripture. Is that true? So do you believe that scripture? I'm just, I'll just make it very simple. Do you believe that scripture out of Ephesians? Do you believe that? By grace you are saved through faith. And not of works. Lest any man should boast. So it's not you that did it. It was God that did it. By grace you are saved through faith. So by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. There was something about faith that God loves. Because without faith, you're unable to please God. Is that true? So then, you've got to be anchored by faith in Him. You're a new creature. You're born again by faith. By grace. Are you saved through faith? So, can I ask you the question here? Are you anchored? Are you anchored? Is it steadfast? Is it sure? Which hope we have an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into the, within the veil. You know where Brother Bram said that veil was? That veil was a veil of flesh. That that, when that side was riven at Calvary, your anchor went into Him. And you're anchored in Christ. And you're steadfast and you're sure that I truly am born again. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm anchored in the absolute. I'm anchored in Christ. So now I ask you the question, are you anchored? You have to ask your answer to yourself. So this anchor, when I was out yonder, Brother Bram said, beyond the spray one day, God took this poor lost sinner, pulled him through the spray, Yes, sir. And brought him over here and anchored me in there. Put his arms around me and everything else, no matter what it was, my soul looks up to thee. I have an anchor. Steadfast. Sure. Look here. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both steadfast and sure. So then... Can we ask the question again? We've been given a promise to live the word for our hour or to move us into our position. So then God allows different storms to move us. But you have an anchor that's steadfast and sure. So it doesn't matter what Satan throws at you. He said the real born again people of this age that's filled with the Holy Ghost. They're tied to the post of his scripture. They are the ultimate. Now, that's the part that gets people a little bit. "Mm." When now we can say Jesus is the ultimate. Jesus is the absolute. But if we are a part of Him, what are we? It's good for you to think on these thoughts. Because what it happens if you can get anchored in Christ, and anchored in the Word, and just anchored in this little message, 
Because some of us have gone through horrific trials these last few months. And can I say to you, and to those that have not gone through a trial yet, you are going to come through one. As this age lingers on, your prophet said it's going to get worse and worse. So you're going to need something that you can tie yourself to. That when your little ship starts hopping and bopping and flooded on the storms of life, you better make sure you've got an anchor that holds. And that anchor is in Him. And at that day you will know that I'm in the Father, the Father in me, I knew and you in me. So then a prophet comes on down now and starts expressing the thoughts of God. Not his thoughts and not my thoughts. He's saying to you that now you are becoming the ultimate. You are becoming the absolute. Oh, Brother Tom, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying what he said. This is called the absolute message. 63, in the morning. A real born again people of this age that's filled with the Holy Ghost is the tie post of this scripture that's got to be fulfilled in this last day. They are the ultimate. It's God's ultimate. Because it's his word and his word is Christ. The tie post. There's no way to get away from that. There's something that holds you. It's holding you. These things, Jesus said. Maybe you want to turn to St. John. It's been one hour. St. John 16.33. We're into full tithing. (laughs) St. <laughs> John 16.33 Could we read it together? St. John 16.33 Let's read. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you will have a picnic. What is, no, did your, no, that was by the book of Thomas. It's not canon scripture either. Throw that one out. Let's read, read that again. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world, you shall have but be of, I have, <laughs> glory. And the church at Cloverdale Bible Way said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> See, we, we have to just keep on going back. Right, Brother Roy? doesn't matter. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. He said, these things are I spoken unto you that you might have peace. And in the world you shall have tribulation. Seems like a, 
<laughs> Total opposite here. You're going to have peace. What are you trying to tell you? You're going to have peace in tribulation. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can I give you another translation? I have told you these things so that in me, you will have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you'll have tribulation, trials, distress, frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world. Now listen to this. And I have deprived it of the power to harm you. Hallelujah! God took Satan and he took the power out of him so it cannot harm you. It can shape you, but it can't harm you. Hallelujah! So you can have peace in your tribulation. So Satan can't hurt you. Hallelujah. So now what it says, I have deprived it of its power to harm you. And that's why I conquered it was for you. Hallelujah. Satan, you are a defeated being. And your imps are defeated. And your fallen angels are defeated. Hallelujah. All Satan can do is tell you lies. How about that doctor and that machine? Brother Branham goes in to pray for this person. And the machine says he's dying. But the prophet said he's living. Who are you going to believe? The machine or the prophet? You are ridiculous. <laughs> That's what I've been told. You ridiculous. It's unreasonable. I said, of course. Everything about God is unreasonable. Satan used reason. I preached it years ago. I think it was in Brother Noriega's church back in 1986, 87. I said, can you remember it back that far? Yeah, I sure can. I preached on the, the bride is the most unreasonable people on the face of the earth. That was a good title. Should try, probably maybe preach that again. Hmm? The bride's the most unreasonable people on the face of the earth. It's unreasonable that Abraham would offer Isaac. But he'd already spoken. The lad and I shall return. So God doesn't deal by reason. He deals by faith. By faith Noah built an ark. It's unreasonable. It's ridiculous. To the world we're ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, David, that we believe what we believe. But we don't believe this by reason. We believe this by faith. And faith and reason are hostile to one another. Because if you look at the, at the Greek word reason, it's logimos, logic. God doesn't deal by logic. God deals by faith. So it says then that logic is hostile to faith. And I'll tell you one thing. Faith 
conquers that hostile reason. Amen. So whatever Satan does, he's lying to you. He says to you, you can't be delivered. The word said, you are delivered. By his stripes, you are healed. So you can believe the devil or you can believe God. Let's believe God. Let's believe God. Satan will tell you a lie. You're born that way. Huh? Brother Bram said, in, in things that are to be, it doesn't matter what, wherever that epileptic uh, spirit came down the family, the blood breaks that spirit. My family tried to tell me, you got a heart problem because all our family's got a heart problem. You know what I say? The blood breaks that spirit. Hallelujah! We take God at His word. He is my ultimate. And I'm tied to that ultimate. And we are now becoming the ultimate to this world. I'm born this way. The doctors gave you up. But Dr. Jesus hasn't. That's why I say, kept saying to Brother Hugh, every day that you're living gives God a chance to raise you up. I said, don't you dare give up. You still believe. And we've got a group of people that are believing with you. If God chooses to take you home, well, well, he takes you home. But if he chooses to raise you up, praise God. We only want the will of God. I'm not going to take the devil and say, oh, just give up. Well, he was born lame. He was born blind. So was I. Lame, blind, and dumb. Mm-hmm. But then Jesus came. Hallelujah, Brother Frank. Then Jesus came. Be of good cheer. You will go through tribulation. But I have overcome it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have overcome by the what? By the words of our mouths, by the blood of the Lamb, we have overcome. Hallelujah. I am not going to, at one moment, at this stage of my life, listen to the devil. Gone too far. Prayed too long. Gone through too many trials. To let the devil tell me this message ain't true. He should have came 15, 20, 40 years ago, saint. And when he did come 44 years ago to tell me that this was not of God, the seed in me told them, it's of God. So if that which was in me then, come on, if that was in me then that knew nothing, How about now, brother Mike, when we have absorbed, we've ate the word, we've lived this word, we love this word. And you have somebody try and come and shake us now? When I knew nothing, you had a better chance. But that seed in you was tied. That was tied. It was anchored in the rock of ages. I've come from him, I'm going back to him. There's no more devil that can be beguiled this Eve no more. 
The first Eve was beguiled. She was lied to by a crafty, cunning demon. But in this age, God sent a prophet to see in the tent of the serpent. And now he's exposed in Satan's Eden. And you know what, saints of God? Why did Eve even give him a moment of time? If she would have just said, get behind me, Satan. But, of course, the plan of God had to unfold, huh? But now this Eve can say to Satan, get behind me. Get behind me. This word that fell, this one that you used to beguile, and she took it by one word, thou shall not. That one word not caused this whole problem. Because God said, you shall surely die. You shall not surely die. One word. One word caused all this mess. And this insanity. So tell me how we can go back without God sending a word prophet. When that which is perfect is come. That which in part is done away. When I was a child I spake as a child. But now I become a man. I put away childish things. Childish things. Now, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. So then, saints of God, let your conversation be that of the word. Be content with such things as God has given you. And take God at the promise. Musicians, please come. At the promise of Hebrews 13, 5. Next week we'll get into Revelation 5. Take Hebrews 13, 5. If you want to write that down, you put that down. I, personal pronoun. I. It wasn't the writer of the Hebrews that's now speaking. It's God now speaking to Gary St. John. I will never leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do you believe your Bible? And it goes on to say, so that we might boldly say, what? The Lord. The Lord. The Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. This is going back to part one of the part five of whatever we've been preaching on. Danny, did you get that? You got that. So that we might 
timidly say? Huh? Tommy, are you listening to me? Does it timidly say or boldly say? Boldly say. Bold as lions. We can boldly say. When you go through that trial, you can boldly say. The Lord is my helper. The Lord's my helper. Don't lean on the arm of flesh. Lean on the Lord. God will vindicate truth. And that has been my prayer over the last few months. Let's pray and ask the Lord to vindicate truth. Because God only vindicates truth. The Lord is my helper. That's an absolute. Sam, brother Sam, the Lord's your helper. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm your comfort. I'm your peace and tribulation. Hallelujah. Now we start taking what God's called us to. The Bible. The scripture. The word. This prophet points you back to the Bible. Back to the word. Back to the word. Back to the word. Back to Christ. Natasha, are, are, are you ready? Would you? We want to sing it with you. So then we have this promise, Matthew. I will never leave you. It doesn't matter what those boys go through. I will never leave you. I'll never leave you. I will be your helper. Amen. And I'm going to take the bite out of Satan. That's an absolute. So the absolute believes the absolute. Amen. God give me my children. That's an absolute. You must believe it. You are a part of that absolute. I'm tied to it. I believe it. And Satan, you're a liar. Amen. I'm not going to have my children rich young rulers, David. I'm not going to have my boys rich young rulers. They're going to be Holy Ghost filled. He's your helper. Is that true, parents? How many high priests have we got here? I believe for my children that God give them the Holy Ghost. That is the absolute. We're not going back to the absolute. We are in the absolute. Hallelujah. The Lord's my helper, Sister Lois. The Lord is my helper. I don't care what Satan tells you. And say it's unreasonable to see your children sin beside you. I say, Satan, you're a liar. And the truth can't be found in you. But the ultimate said... This is the age of the token. This is the age of the family. Hallelujah. I'm tied to that ultimate. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord's my helper. I will not fear. What man shall do to me? 
I don't care what they say. I don't care how they slander. I don't care what they do. All I know, the Lord Jesus is my helper. Hallelujah. He's my helper. And I will never leave you. I won't leave you, Nathan, when you're on the top of that building on an icy morning. Maybe not tied down. But the Lord is your helper. We send our children out and they go out to school. The Lord's my helper. Watch over my children, Lord. Keep them safe from all harm. So many weirdos in this land. So many perverts out there. But God, I'm asking you put a wall of fire around every one of them. I will boldly say. Who wants to boldly say with me? He's my absolute. He's my ultimate. He's my tight post. He's my perfection. Hallelujah. Amen. So now ultimate is agreeing with ultimate. Omnipotence with omnipotence. Word with word. I'll boldly say I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'll boldly say I'm born again. Filled with the Holy Ghost and power. I'll boldly say it. Are you a message believer? I'll boldly say, I'm identified with Malachi 4. The Lord is my helper. Because without this message, I'd be like they are out there. But because He came to me. Because the absolute came to me. The ultimate came to me. Hallelujah. And listen, let me tell you all you something, mummies that maybe not be saved here this morning, or daddies that aren't saved here this morning. You can have a nice little family the way you are right now. But as they grow up, without Jesus, your ultimate, unless you're tied to that, you're tied to heartache. But won't you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and let him be tied, let yourself be tied to him and say, Lord Jesus. May I have what the brothers are saying this morning. He is my absolute. Amen. Natasha, why don't you sing it? And if you want to join with her somewhere along the line, you go right ahead. Whatever happened to till death do us part? Does the home reflect the heart? Parents face it. We made it back to things above. We made it back to our first love. God bless you. Hallelujah. Glory! We've got the boldness to say, the Lord is my helper. When you go on the job, wherever you go, you know who and whom you have believed. 
We've come down to the showdown. Time has come, saints, to put on this rapture change. I'm ready to go. I don't know about you. I'm ready to leave in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But what Eve and Adam fell from, God had to restore us back. And no wonder we'll take Revelation 5 next time we take a service. When John caught the revelation that there was no one worthy, the Bible says he wept. But then Brother Bram said, he says that an elder quickly spoke to him and said, don't cry. Don't cry, John. Don't cry. He said, why? <laughs> the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. And you know what happened? The Bible says all that was in heaven heard him. And all that was beneath the earth heard him. And I, I think that maybe we should let the devil hear us one time or two. Praise his holy name. The Lord is my helper. When we come through that trial, you don't have to buckle, you don't have to buckle under. Just buckle up and take God at His word. Let's bow our heads. Father, been a wonderful time in the presence of God this morning to see your children gathered around the word of God. Pray something, Lord, has been spoken that will strengthen them, build them up in the faith that they can take you at your word and know I'm tied. To the absolute of almighty God. Lord I pray that the grace of God will go before each and every one this morning. And if there is somebody here that has not been tied to Calvary. Has not put their anchor in that riven veil Lord. I pray Lord that you'll reach down into their heart and turn them around. To look to the Lord Jesus as their savior. Their redeemer. Father we commit every soul that is present here. And on the internet, strengthen them. Be with each and every one of us. We'll be gathered again this evening, Lord, to rejoice around the open book. Pray that you'll anoint your servant once again. Brother Tim, as he is in India, I pray God, wherever his travels are, that the presence of God will never leave him, nor forsake him. Lord, sometimes it gets a lonely hour when you're in your hotel room. But may the presence of God be his strength and his portion. Go with us now, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Greet one another, saints. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God be with you. Five o'clock tonight.